This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, everyone. My name is Chubin Wabara, co-founder and CEO of Amadri.com. The thing I love about travel is travel really promotes unity, peace, and love around the world. People who have had a chance to travel are typically more understanding of other people's point of views. Today, our guest is Chubi Wabara. He is the CEO of Amadri, which is a B2B packing for travel technology. And we are going to unpack exactly what that means in just a moment because our episode starts right now. From New York City, this is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry with Pavan Ball and John Matson. And now, here are your hosts. Chubi, what is going on, man? Nothing much. I'm uh, very glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This is a uh... This is very exciting. It's been a long time coming, Chubi. I know. We have been talking about getting you on this and trying to schedule you on our podcast for quite some time, and I'm happy you're able to join us. So uh, welcome to to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, So let's uh, let's start here as we like to do. Uh, Why don't you give us kind of an overview? A thirty thousand foot is that cruising altitude, guys? I've told it's not. Is 30,000 feet enough? Well, is that just, high you enough? You could just say cruising altitude. Let's give a cruising <laughs> altitude view of uh, who you are and what you do. Madri is a pack for travel technology provided to travel companies primarily to recommend to all their guests and passengers and customers exactly what they need to pack for their trips. Madri considers very basic information such as destination and dates of travel which most travel companies have. And based on that, we have a proprietary algorithm that algorithm that recommends what people need to travel, considering gender, considering age, considering the destination. People going to New York generally want to maybe pack differently from people going to um, maybe Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. So we consider all those things when making our recommendations. So can I reverberate what I heard? I heard that as a consumer, um, I go to maybe an Orbitz or any other OTA, um, Cheapo Air, whatever it might be, and I book a flight or a trip, and then that information is then passed along to the different accommodations that I'd be staying at, and then they are able to communicate and drive excellent customer service to me by telling me, uh, hey, this is what you might want to look out for and uh, might want to pack on your way here, or no? So that's pretty close. That's pretty close. What do you got? Uh, We are flexible in the way our technology works, uh, but the general idea is you book a flight or you book a hotel stay, Mm -hmm. and that information, uh, the specific dates, the destination, is passed on to us. It hits our algorithm we push back the recommendations and that travel company you're booking with can serve you those recommendations. So for them, they're just giving us access to the reservation data. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we also work without the the non-personal stuff. So we don't need this to all know. all anonymous, basically. Right. Yeah. We don't need to know it's Pavan and his email address. We just sure. need to know you're going to be at a certain place on sp- uh, specific dates. 
Uh, ideally, we need to know your gender, but mm-hmm. we're all accommodating that stuff. Anyway. Okay, good deal. And um, I know you have gone through a little bit of a pivot. So when we had first met, now it's been at least a couple of years. Right. Um, you uh, you are working more in uh, what you consider to be the the fashion tech space, or what I consider to be the fashion tech space, uh, with a company called The Vein. Uh, can we talk about what has, um, I guess, the journey to uh, Amadri? Absolutely. <clears throat> So we we started off the vein. Um, I guess I'll give you a little bit of a backstory here. Yeah. I used to be a management consultant in my previous life, so I traveled pretty much every week. Um, and one of the things we realized at that point was when you travel so much, you really don't want to spend time packing. You just want to like throw stuff in your suitcase and go and know you have the right things. And that's when my co-founder and I realized there was nothing out there that actually helped you do that. So it was typical for me to go Monday and Tuesday to St. Louis and Wednesday and Thursday to Chicago before flying back home. And just figuring out what to pack week in, week out ended up being an hour and a half process, you know, between checking weather apps and all those things. Um, So that was the genesis of the vein. We built an app that basically makes those recommendations focusing on the fashion side. So what clothes do I need to pack? What accessories do I need to pack? And while doing some market research, we got a lot of feedback that people were interested in getting daily recommendations as well. So not only when I'm traveling for six days, but even in the mornings, just tell me what is it that I need to wear considering the weather and all the things you already think about. That's why we decided to go into the vein and after about a year and a half, close to two years, the vein was doing well, generating revenue, and things were going really well. But we decided that there was an opportunity that came that we learned about through our experience. A, a travel company approached us and said, I'm interested in this technology to give my customers. And for us, that was an eye opener because we realized we do have a pr- proprietary technology in here that actually recommends what people need to pack for travel. Um, so why not pull out this technology, give it to travel companies who already have those travelers, mm-hmm. and let them serve these recommendations up to them instead of us having to go do all the work to look for the travelers and the customer yeah. acquisition. Yep. Why not let's take care of that problem? And, Which um, is a huge problem. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so <laughs> what's the revenue model for those companies, the the travel companies? I mean, do they get to participate in some affiliate sales if if a piece of clothing is sold because of this whole transaction? It's a great question. So for the travel companies, there is a revenue share. What we've done on the other side of this equation is we've approached large retailers and said, we can give you um, a new big customer acquisition channel. Uh, travelers are high value customers to almost everyone. Sure. Um, so why not give us access to your API? And we're going to make recommendations to travelers, and we're going to allow them to purchase those recommendations. For the retailers, it's customer acquisition. We negotiate commission rates with them, and we turn around and split those revenues with the travel companies. So it becomes a volume play. So if you think about Hilton, for example, worldwide, they had 160 million guests at Hilton Hotels in 2016 worldwide. Uh, even if we get a, a percentage of that, um, there is some significant revenue to be made. Sure. Well, I'd imagine you really want to capture guests at the moment of booking 
I mean, because that's when people are really thinking and planning for their travel, even if it's happening two weeks from now or two months from now. Um, how much are you able to actually start working, not just with Hilton? I mean, I'm sure people book on Hilton.com, but um, with meta search engines and travel agencies. It's a great question. So it's it's very interesting. It's actually Expedia has done a bit of research around purchase patterns when people are traveling. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it, again, it depends on people's trips. So I was speaking to a friend just two days ago who's already booked her New Year's trip. She's not necessarily okay. looking to shop right now, right. but she kind of knows what she wants. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there are people, you know, if it's business travel or, you know, leisure travel as well, that book trips, last-minute trips, right? Yeah. There, there are companies out there that cater to that. Um, so what we're seeing right now based on the research is people generally want to purchase for travel anywhere between 7 to 14 days before their trip. Uh, mm -hmm. most people. Yeah. And then, of course, in some cases, people are like, oh, I'm packing last minute. Yeah, I'm a solid one to three days <laughs> where I'm like running around store to store. I'm, and exactly. I'm a solid like pharmacy, everything. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> like four hours before my flight. But I still want all the things. I still I still need like exactly. the, the trendy things. And the <laughs> I just started a little bit later. And, and that's great. So I think you're absolutely right. There, There is a large segment of people who are interested in the last minute shopping. And one of the things we do offer is saying we can, anything you purchase, we can actually ship to your destination. So hey, if you're a last you minute go. shopper and you're like saying, oh, I need this and I leave tonight. We consider that in our algorithms. When you get the recommendation, we know what today's date is. We know when your trip is. And we consider that in recommending uh, where oh, we should fantastic. ship to. Nice. Hmm. Have you found that there's like a certain type of person that uses this in particular? Like, is it management consultants or business travelers more from your experience with the vein? That would probably help you determine what B2B player you're going to be working right, with. Right, right, right. So it's a really good question. Um, we have found through our experience with the vein that leisure travelers are much more willing to spend and they use it more. For sure. Than business travelers. Mm -hmm. um, we definitely have seen some business travelers using it, but a lot of business travelers tend to just feel like they know what they need to pack until what happened to me happens to them. They get stuck in some parking lot somewhere because it's raining and they can't make it to the office and they didn't know it was raining. Mm -hmm. So they didn't like come um, prepared. Um, well, you got to you gotta tell us a little more about that story. I will tell yeah. you more. Right. About <laughs> uh, but we are seeing so far that leisure travelers definitely want to spend more money. They want to escape from their reality for a bit and they are willing to spend money to enjoy their, their time away from from home, from the norm. Now, when I'm uh, booking uh, from one of your client partners, am I automatically receiving these updates? Do I opt into these updates? How does that communication flow look like? It's a really good question. So we give our client partners multiple options. One of the options we give them is um, post-reservation uh, confirmation page. So if you think about if you book a hotel stay, you go to the confirmation page and it says, here are some hotel offers, mm -hmm. some rental yeah. car offers, things like that. Um, so an option we are giving our, our client partners or to have it on that page. And in that situation, we work with the merchandising groups. Uh, at that point, you're not having to opt into anything. You can decide if you want to click right. and get your uh, recommendations mm -hmm. right there. 
Um, so that's pretty standard. The other thing we do are we offer emails. So mm-hmm. we can have the travel companies, be it American Airlines or whatever the OTAs, send Say, hey, your email. trip's coming up. You may want to think about these things. Correct. And we give them the options between uh, sending standalone emails or sending as part of the reminder mm-hmm. email that they would send. So to answer your question, we actually, there's no opt-in at this point. Yeah. It's just something. Well, it's just value add that they're, yes. they're providing. Now, our, um, you had mentioned, obviously, weather is a huge variable that affects travel. Are there other, what other key inputs are you taking that uh, can fluctuate? Um on a regular basis so the the there are a few things we consider so weather clearly and that ties in with us knowing the dates so when we know the dates are going to be there we can easily pull mm. the weather um the destination um the in the case of airlines the origin um location actually matters so someone flying from miami to new york and someone flying from denver to new york are generally different people, right? People that live in Miami, maybe their wardrobes have more warm weather gear, and right. we're keeping that in mind. Whereas people that live in Denver probably already have cold weather gear in their wardrobes. So we're thinking about all these things. Of course, gender, age. Um, again, age is a very interesting one that we're trying to figure out. A 50-year-old woman in New York City and a 50-year-old woman in Iowa are generally different. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to necessarily recommend the same exact thing and say, oh, all 50-year-olds get this recommendation. Because chances are the 50-year-old woman in New York is yeah. more stylish, cares more about those those sort of recommendations, style recommendations. So we consider all those things from the weather to the dates to the gender to the age. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot that goes into the algorithm to try to make it the best recommendation possible. The purpose of travel, of I course, wonder, business solution. I wonder if there are other sources of that data, like if people could plug in their Pinterest page to your technology eventually and be able to like basically give you their style preferences in some way or another. That's uh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. One of the things we're thinking through right now is how do we uh, engage that consumer a little bit more to learn more about them? Because right. remember, this is a B2B2C play. So we're working with the travel yeah. companies um and for us we're just thinking through okay what are the things we can do from a technology standpoint yeah to... you're getting such little data on who these people are it's exactly. literally age you said um and gender at exactly. most and yes and yeah. then of course their dates of travel and the dates and the of travel and you know where they're traveling i mean right people, i know yeah people I understand. traveling to certain but, destinations but the sophistication on like recommendation engines for e-commerce are i mean they're pulling in data from every consumer touch point <laughs> on the planet right sure. you have a macy's card and then all of a sudden everyone has the purchase behavior on that right. card so uh facebook being a, a huge access to to preference and 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 spheres and things like that are you are you able to uh, attached to that, or is the client then able to layer in maybe um, some sort of databases that they may have? It's it's very interesting. So the travel space is uh, quite segmented in terms of the data they can provide. So airlines can give you much more data than hotels, and this is some mm-hmm. federal regulation that mm-hmm. requires airlines to know much more. Um, maybe it's post nine eleven. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it requires airlines to know much more about who is actually getting on that plane, mm-hmm. whereas hotel companies don't even know that much. So right. we consider 
we consider all those different things. There are other things we're thinking about, things like double click. I've actually spoken to John recently. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you recall that conversation. I yeah. um, about some things we can do to pull in more information, um, maybe based on a device and say the device has done this and this and this, and maybe um, we can get some of that data to make better recommendations. So there's there's a lot we're thinking about. All right. Well, I think this is a perfect time to take a quick break. But uh, before we do, uh, looks like uh, Chuby did adhere to our uh, studio policy and uh, <laughs> brought us uh, some some nourishment, <laughs> some nourish. Uh, Chuby, what were you so kind to, uh, to bring to us today to, to snack on? Yeah, I'm a I'm a crunchy snack type of guy personally, and um, I brought two of my favorites here. So I brought the plantain strips. Uh, these mm. are actually very tasty, and of course I brought sesame sticks as well. Sesame, sesame sticks. sticks. Mm, yeah, okay. that's a that's a problem for me actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it a group problem. We'll uh, we'll indulge in all of this addiction. with you in just a moment so we'll bust those open and while we do we're going to go into break and when we come back uh we've been talking a lot about uh amadri and uh, and the vein and how they operate but let's kind of get uh, unveil the curtain a little bit uh as well as uh you know kind of talk a little bit more about the transition period and uh you know and see how big business is leveraging amadri for their insights great stick with us we will be back in just a moment The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code MOUTHMEDIASEN, that's MOUTHMEDIA, S-E-N-N, at checkout. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B I Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest. Or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Juby, you are running both of these companies at the same time. What's the end goal here? Is it B2B2C in the hopes of being a consumer brand? Or is there something else you have in mind? It's a great question. I, uh, I think for us, we have seen a white space in the travel value chain and our end goal is to be the leader in the space when it comes to packing and preparing for your trip so when you pose the question that way then i would say yes eventually we want to be a brand people look at or think of when they when they are thinking about that inevitable part of travel which is actually packing so why why make two brands for us we realized that um so i i am a former engineer my co-founder is also a former engineer we built a proprietary technology and 
we decided as a company that this technology was best used by actual travel companies that already have those travelers and can meet them at that decision-making point, as opposed to us trying to go out and figure all that out, like I said earlier. So we decided that it made most business sense for us to give the technology out, because ultimately what we want is for people to be better prepared when they are traveling um, and help them make those decisions, whether it's through us directly or if it's through the travel companies, that part doesn't really matter to us. First off, um, before I jump in with a question, I want to say that I'm conflicted whether I like these plantain chips more <laughs> or the sesame sticks, because both of them are Amazing. parties in my mouth. Yeah, it's very good. Try them together. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should have brought more. Make a well, sandwich no, this, of them. this specific brand of plantain strips are, are quite good. I think it's got some peanut What oil. are we working with, just so people know tasty. if they're aficionados? Are you going to give them a brand plug? What is it? Yeah, why not? What is that? <laughs> Artisan Tropic. So this is from the organic store that's downstairs from my building. Mm, so this <laughs> isn't like your favorite side. plantain strips. You went down there and said, I need plantain strips before I walk over to the studio. No, I've been eating this plantain strips every day for the last two years. Uh, what's, it <laughs> <laughs> what's it called? Artisan Tropic. Excellent. Well, shout out to Artisan Tropics. Very good. Um, Great stuff. Does it make sense to run to? I mean, running one company is difficult enough, and one P and L. Does it? Are you? How are you finding this juggling act? And and at some point, are you kind of just waiting to see what takes like some serious headwind, and then get rid of the other one? Or are you always going to run them in tandem? Tandem. It's, it's very interesting for us the way we have built this because the core technologies and the concepts are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, we are actually more nurturing the vein and focusing on Imadri as a B2B SaaS service, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, so for us, we are looking at it as we're focusing on the B2B because this allows us to get our product and our vision Quick. into more hands all around the world. And we are nurturing the app. So if people decide, you know, I am not actually traveling yet, but if I wanted to take a trip, I'd be interested in knowing what to pack for the trip. We're giving them that option. And this is a perfect segue. So one of the other things we are also providing are widgets that we are talking to very strategic travel publishers about to have our widget on their on their sites. And that so, would be branded. That would be branded. Correct. As the vein or a Madri? That would be branded as a Madri. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are also giving this travel publishers the opportunity to just white label it if that's what they mm-hmm. want. As a startup, we're flexible, right? So, again, uh, that strategic uh, choosing of the publishers allows people that are not actually even traveling just to go see. So, if someone is thinking of a trip and they go on maybe a Condé Nast traveler, they can see the widget mm-hmm. there and they can say, oh, I was thinking about going to Machu Picchu. I was thinking about mm-hmm. going to San Francisco. Yeah. I wonder what they're recommending I pack for my trip. Now, this brings up a lot of questions around the business model itself. So the vein, uh, and I'm looking for you to correct me because I know I'm wrong, is uh, it seems like it's more of a referral source or um, you know an affiliate styled model? 
And when you're going B2B with Imadri, it sounds like it's more of a licensing software deal. Um, if that's correct, to me, B2B seems to be the more substantial business. Um, can you kind of unfold uh, the different revenue streams and how, you know, uh, how this whole thing works? Sure, I'm going to jump into that now. And I just want to state for clarity that the focus is Imadri, the B2B. Mm. So you're yeah. absolutely right. The vein is where we started. Yeah. And we have evolved. Mm-hmm. But there is no need to shut down that business. So it's now in a nurturing mode. Right. Um, we've built a lot of things from all our own Is it almost like a set to, it and forget it at this point? Where it just it's running and you know you don't want to disrupt a a revenue flow regardless exactly. of what it is. Yeah. So gotcha. so the vein makes money. The yeah, vein yeah, makes yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. Why would I turn off something that makes money? Right. Right. As, <laughs> well, as long as it's not um, derailing you off of the other projects Correct. and the bigger the bigger play at hand. Correct. Yeah. But to your point, yes, you're right. Imadri software as a service business yeah. model is definitely the bigger play, and we envision and expect that to surpass the vein. Um, by multiples as early mm-hmm. as next year in terms of the revenue it's generating. So yes, our focus is on Amadri. Our focus is on uh, the distribution play. Our focus is on getting our product out to the world. And uh, that the combination of getting our product out to the world and the much larger distribution we'll get from Amadri has led us to that direction. So let's talk about data for a second because it's feel, it feels like you know you have this proprietary technology, but data is a big piece of what you're doing and being able to, whether it's capturing someone who you know is going to be traveling or whether it's actually building an individual customer profile so you can improve your recommendations. Um, what do you think is the most valuable piece of data that you are collecting? Or, or I mean, and I mean valuable literally, I mean... What's the most valuable insight for retail that you're producing? From a retail standpoint, um, what we consider the most valuable things are having information on travelers in advance of their actual trips and also learning what those travelers are actually interested in performing and doing when they're on those trips. So mm-hmm. for example, if I know a week in advance that a woman is traveling and she is going to Vancouver, but she's going to go skiing in Whistler, but she's also interested in a nice dress for mm-hmm. when she's in Vancouver, mm-hmm. that gives us a lot of data about that specific individual knowing when they're going, knowing what they're going to be doing, data that I think long-term will be extremely valuable to retailers if we decide to go that route. Yeah, you know, sure. going to um, a lot of these digital e-commerce conferences, you there's a lot of priority in identifying these micro-moments in people's lives where they are incentivized to convert into a shopper. So they're, you know, whether they're on Instagram or on Pinterest or wherever they're using as discovery mechanisms and and putting together their wish list, there's always some sort of life moment where incentivizes them to actually convert. And travel, I can see being 
one of those very critical ones, in fact, uh, a high converter in terms of uh, actually going out there and getting the things that you've always been thinking about. Um, How are you working with your clients uh, to to maybe reach, uh, you know, uh, underserved markets in their opinion, or maybe a a consumer base that may have been getting away from them? um, And on the retailer side, it doesn't seem to me that you, because it's not specific, who it's anonymous data, essentially, they can't target with that, right? So um, on the retailer side, are you going to end up working with them as well to recommend their products? Uh, or is that you want to keep it as unbiased as possible? So we think there's some value for the retailers uh, from an aggregated data standpoint. Yeah. It might not be the personal individual data, but um, because... But if you know I'm traveling in two weeks to this place and this is what I want to do, that's really interesting. Um, Can I be the devil's advocate? Yeah, please do. Why aren't you selling individual personal data? Well, he's not getting it from the client. You're not getting it. Yes. Okay. But... So, yeah, I mean, that is very interesting stuff. Now, are you going to be sell, like, are you going to be saying, okay, well, um, J. Crew, Patagonia, whatever the brand is, uh, you know, I have this customer base that's going there. I could re- recommend your stuff up top, like almost Google does it on their search results. Are you going to be selling those slots? Yes, I think um, most businesses that I can think of realize that that is maybe a point in the journey of the business. At this point, we do not plan on providing bias to Mm -hmm. retailers. Now, over time, um, it's something we would consider so long as it does not uh, alter the, I think I'm, what's When you have 30 million people using your platform, I want to talk to you again about this question. (laughs) Cause (laughs) I think, I think your, your, your tone might change a little bit. (laughs) Right. But I I think for us, the, the, the most important thing, our value add is our algorithm, right? So we want to make the recommendation that's Mm -hmm. best for the traveler. Sure. And whoever the retailer is that can provide that product, Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that their product is provided. But there's more than one, five dozen retailers that can give me a parka that's good for the slopes. Correct. Correct. So over time, I think what you're saying is absolutely right. Over time, we realize that when we have um, maybe a lot of big retailers and they can all provide a parka for the slopes, we may be having those conversations with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe those conversations come in the form of... Um, maybe give us a better commission, right. you know, things like that. Right. Um, and if you give us a better commission, maybe we'll make sure that that Parker comes from you guys, right? So, honestly, that's a little bit down the line. We're I appreciate not a good about bribe. That, Every but... time I'm at a traffic stop, <laughs> <laughs> I always keep that in mind. You know? <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta appreciate a good bribe for sure. So it, it's, some, it's something from a business standpoint we'll think about when the time is right, but. Not not at this moment. Let's get back to the business model a little bit. I know we uh, departed a bit. So how else is, uh, you know, Amadri looking to generate uh, their revenue? So our, our day one revenue is twofold. Um, one is a software as a service business model where our client partners pay us on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. 
And the other model for us is uh, a commission on uh, sales of any product. So we think about what retailers, how much retailers generally pay to acquire customers. And we are talking to them about passing that onto us, right? So if a retailer normally pays 20 cents to acquire a dollar, uh, we're having those conversations around passing that on to us. So that's how we look at it. And again, our, comp our, our company is a, it's, it's a distribution play here, right? So we are talking to travel companies and travel publishers that have millions and millions of travelers. So this, these numbers make sense for us in that, in that regard. Mm -hmm. One of the things we are thinking about a little further down the line um, is how we actually connect travelers to local stores. So the travel shopping numbers are very interesting. In 2016, $108 billion was spent on travel shopping. Um, some of that online, a lot of that offline. So we're thinking about if I know that John is going to Seattle um, and John needs a couple of items, John can either buy them online and have them delivered, buy them online, pick them up in store, or we can even tell John what stores to go to to get them when he arrives at that destination. So I was actually thinking a little bit about Rent the Runway. I went to a wedding recently where one of the bridesmaids had her dress delivered to the hotel where the wedding mm -hmm. was taking place. I wonder if you guys have thought about that sort of um, economy where people don't own things as much as they're just using them for a limited amount of time. It's a great point. We have not spent much time on the sharing economy. We've thought more about buying and we definitely have thought about delivering it to your destination, the hotel. Right. Um, hotels generally can receive packages mm -hmm. for guests that yep, are coming, exactly. even if the guests haven't arrived. Um, but that's something very interesting for us to think about, you know, the, the sharing economy. I actually think that's a very fascinating aspect that we have not really explored and it sounds really interesting. Something we would have to think about and something we're thinking about a lot today is the technology side of things. So part of what we're doing is we're getting commerce APIs from the retailers uh, or EDIs. So basically allowing us to perform the transaction on our end and send them the information so they can fulfill. Um, uh, this allows us to control the experience a little bit more for ourselves and for our travel partners. So we are talking mostly to larger retailers that have the technology infrastructure in place where they're either already there or it doesn't take a lot of work to get there. And as a company, we are actually um, doing the heavy lifting. So if a company already uh, has an affiliate program in place, we're very comfortable saying, okay, let's take this affiliate program we have. Um, since we want the checkout to happen on our side, let's translate that into something where the uh, customer actually checks out here and we send you information right. so that you can fulfill the product. Yep. Are you distinguishing between, so say I get a, something delivered uh, okay. to my hotel. Uh, I can just imagine a mess of customer data getting all over the place based on like addresses and locations and everything. Are you funneling and indexing that data across if you're going to be selling it to the B2B play or if that's an, of interest? I don't know. 
Um, I'm not really sure I understand. I'm not sure I understand question. my question either. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Yo, basically, yeah. <laughs> it's just a mess of data everywhere. Yeah, it's just it's a mess. Look at all. It's like it's crazy. It's a destination. <laughs> it's a home. Um, well, okay. Like it's an example. Like uh, you know, I have my brother's uh, mail forwarded to me for a month when he first moved to New York. Right. Okay. I still get massive amounts of mail from like weird places eri or rei i mean um and like here i whatever i think that was his plan all along yeah that was his he plan. was just he trying to get rid just of his transitioning spam. all his marketing <laughs> stuff to me. um so like basically would you be you're i assume you're already indexing against what they're doing versus what their home address is and everything like that their yeah. billing address so i see where i see where you're going with this now okay great so how we are handling this as a company is we're actually not holding on to your data so we're passing this on so i will give you an example let's say you are going to miami or you're going to the everglades and you're going to go scuba diving um but so you decided you need a scuba diving outfit you also need a new pair of sunglasses and you need headphones and let's say you get the all three um, through the recommendation engine that's served to you, uh, you check out in one place. Essentially, what happens is we send the headphone information. Let's say that's from Best Buy. We send that to Best Buy via API. We send the scuba diving information to REI via API. And we send the sunglasses to Bloomingdale's via API. For you, you checked out in one place. Mm-hmm. But we split it up, send it to those three, those three different guys. Before you check out, we let you know, this is going to be fulfilled by Best Buy. This is going to be fulfilled by Bloomingdale's. Mm-hmm. This is going to be fulfilled by REI. So that when you see your credit card hit, you will know where those charges You'll are coming from. It, yeah. And they handle everything from there. So we don't mm-hmm. actually hold on to that data. Of course, we keep basic data if you need to reach out to us and if you have any questions. But we are passing that information to the retailers. Now, is your sale to um, hospitality groups or other target clients is it uh customization of experience is this uh, like what is what is the main attraction to work with uh with your platform so we uh the main attraction we're selling to them is this value-added service that they can provide for a stressful part of the travel value chain but still allowing them to keep whichever brand they choose. So that's why it's important for us to be able to handle the transactions on our end and not redirect people to sites Mm -hmm. all over. Um, That's why it's also important to us to do this via API. So we're always checking to know that inventory is available um, via API so that if it's whatever travel company and they want it to be branded just like their site and they want people to come to one place to get everything they need for travel, um, they can do that. Now, so well, I still need uh, I still need a little more clarification. So I'm going to re-ask the same question a little bit differently. Okay. If I'm a hotel group and uh, I want to engage with uh, with your platform, am I doing this because I want a piece of the affiliate, or am I mm-hmm. doing this because I want to add um, some level of customization to my service? So I think so. That's a very good question because or both the different the different mm-hmm. groups we've spoken to. Mm-hmm have different reasons for interest. Some just want it for the customization. Some feel that maybe their revenue is in the billions and this at best will make them revenue in the millions and to them it's not a big enough piece, but they care about the customization. They care about um, their guests feeling like 
they're making an effort to help their travel easier. Mm. Some are interested in the piece of in the pie, revenue right and revenue stream. And even large companies we're talking to are interested in a revenue stream and we're having to come down and figure out what that what the unit economics look like for yeah. each of their passengers. So if if I give you 100 million passengers, how much money are you going to give me back? So we're having those conversations and of course we're starting off as a pilot where we are starting off with a million passengers, see what it looks like and then build on top of that. So the answer is yeah. some wanted for the customization, some wanted for the revenue and some wanted for both. Earlier in the first half of the the conversation we had talked about some um Sometimes the implementation of your software is uh, on the uh, confirmation page or on uh, is web based, and sometimes uh, you're also um, supporting your clients by being able to embed into newsletters and email communication. Does this relationship influence how they're communicating out and how much priority they're putting on Amadra and uh, Amadri? Sorry, how much? Uh, communication attention they're putting to a Madri the the platform, and if so, how is that? How are you thinking about guiding your offering to 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 maybe maximize the exposure? Because a lot of e-commerce is done on mobile if it's a conversion, um, not necessarily on a, a web browser. But when you're when you're booking a flight, I think I think most of it's done on browser. Still, yes, I agree with you. Most of it is done yeah. on browser. Um, what we're seeing in our conversations mm. is most of the bigger players want to start off with pilots. So if someone has 100 million guests, they're saying, let's do this with 2 million of our guests first. Let's do this with people traveling to the Northeast mm -hmm. first. And let's take that, learn from that, and build on it. So I don't think they're making a lot of uh, decisions around how to communicate with their travelers just yet based on Imadri. I think they're trying to make it a part of it and see part of what we will be measuring is the people who got the Imadri-related communications and the people who, did, who didn't, mm -hmm. what is the difference? No. After six months, let's look and let's see if those guys are more loyal. Maybe they book more, they come back more, um, and then let's if, allow If you can make a dramatic difference or a sizable shift there, that's going to be uh, extremely relevant and, and groundbreaking to the industry on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, that's what we are working really hard to prove out mm -hmm. that the guys who get this, you can see the difference after six months. Yeah. You know, they're more loyal, they spend more, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. um, but you're waiting uh, to find out also. We're waiting to find that's out. Also. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, passengers and guests. Um, so those in many people's minds are two very different things, right? Passengers, usually you think of air, and then guests, usually hospitality. So are you finding that in these conversations there's a particular uh, point of inflection that's more useful than another? Uh, are people more likely to shop on a hotel site as opposed to after in an email from an airline? So you're right about passengers being more airlines and maybe potentially rail. If you think of the Amtraks of the world, those would be passengers. And you're right about hospitality being guests. Um, one of the things we're seeing so far is that it's not really if it's an airline or a hotel. It's more about 
the individual. It's more about, so we're already seeing that women are, of course, as usual, <laughs> more likely to click, more likely to shop. Um, but we don't have the information yet to be able to say boldly, yes, we're seeing that airline partners as opposed to hotel partners are driving, are driving more sales. Again, we get more information from the airlines so we can make better recommendations. Um, but it, we've built in the ability to toggle um, and switch out to what you want, even if it comes from a hotel. So if they don't have that much information, they get like a basic and then they can see like, oh, business or leisure, and they can toggle and the algorithm automatically kicks back based on the same data we have in. So we're building ways to handle that. Yeah, man, it'd be great if you could figure out a way to get onto those uh, those television screens on the back of every chair. Because if you could integrate there somehow, that'd be uh, that'd be really interesting. I'm on my way right now to Denver. You know this, and this is what you might need. And it shows up in my hotel. That'd be ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, I think that would uh, be amazing. yeah, yeah well, try to get it. Try to get there. Um, I'm sure there's no competition there. Uh, when we do return, it's going to be our final segment, and that of course means uh, more personal questions with uh, off the beaten path. everybody, this is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mouth Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Hey, welcome back, guys. It is time for Personal Questions with... Off the beaten path. That is right. It is off the beaten path time, uh, where we uh, ask some more. We get to know our guests uh, a little bit more than just uh, the business side of things. So yeah. uh, we do uh, go to our trusty airlines personnel to figure out who asked the first question. Attention, will passenger Peter Crysdale please report to gate twenty-two? Your party is waiting. <laughs> well, well, well. Look at Mr. This. Peter. Peter Crysdale. <laughs> Um, all right, so Chubi, I have a choose-your-own-adventure question. All right. My question is, what is the strangest item of clothing in your closet? But if you don't want to answer that question, what well, is your you're favorite? You're giving him an option not to answer a question? <laughs> all right, fine. It's not a choose. It's a choose-my-adventure question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is the strangest item of clothing in your closet? I have the mane of a lion in my closet. A real A lion. real one? A real lion. I wow. Was, I Go was on. on the... That is strange. I yes. was I was I was on the safari on Masai Mara um, a year and a half ago. Yeah, and um, of course, part of what they do is they give you a tour. the The Masai clan give you a tour, mm-hmm. and um, they would sell you beads and stuff like that. And he said, "I want a lion." Hill. Yes, and they put a lion mane on my head, and I said, "How much for it?" And of course they sold it. No. The story was like, I took down a lion. No. <laughs> so we're living in New York you City, though. How much? I mean, closets in New York City are pretty small. Do you have like an entire closet just devoted yeah. to your lion mane? 
I don't. <laughs> I should. I should get a case for it. I should get a case for it. No, it just sits at the top of my closet. At the top of my closet by itself, though. That's amazing. I'm fascinated by this. Hold on. Did they just like shave the the mane off and then stitch it onto some fabric, or they skin it around the neck and then you just have a a big O-ring of mane, and it's not like a one size fit all, or it is because you can't really get it customized. Right. It's um. Actually, I don't know how they know. did it. <laughs> You're asking as if he did it personally. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All I know is like the chief guy was wearing it on his head. That's awesome. And I said, how did that happen? It's like, oh, yeah, it's the lion we kill. So a backstory for anyone who doesn't really know about the safari, they do not allow them to kill the wildlife anymore because mm-hmm. it's clearly mm-hmm. a tourist attraction. Mm-hmm. But they are cattle herders. And occasionally, the lion's... Find their the yes, the lions find huh. their cattle and kill them. And when they kill their cattle, they go kill the lions for killing their cattle. So ah, uh, got it. Yeah, yeah. So they had a couple anyway. I bought one. Uh, <laughs> I have a follow up question to that. May I wear that for Halloween? I have a great <laughs> wedding to go to that weekend. <laughs> yeah, the Halloween wedding. Well, the same weekend. It's right before it. Oh, I don't okay. think it's on right. Halloween, but I mean, <laughs> it's, a yeah, it's New York City. Wedding. We start yeah, Halloween exactly. like October 15th. <laughs> what are you going to be a Maasai chief? I'm t- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a Maasai warrior? 100%. <laughs> Need a spare with that? <laughs> we, right, can make it happen. we can make it happen. Uh, let's see who's up next. Paging Puffin Ball. Puffin Ball, please come to the information counter. All right, I guess uh, that, 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 that sounds like my name, I guess. Um... I guess in all of your travels, uh, personally, you seem, well, I know this about you, that you are a bit worldly. So I, I want to know uh, what type of influences have uh, have you absorbed uh, from your travels that are most impactful in uh, this journey of entrepreneurship? I would say, um, in my case, entrepreneurship is something that came a little early to me based on my travel. So I had lived in, on three different continents by the time I was 17. Um, I'm Nigerian by birth. I'm a naturalized U.S. citizen, but I also spent time in the U.K. And I just had family members who were always into entrepreneurship. And it was not tech-related stuff. None of them did anything in tech, but mm-hmm. they always you know, owned things which they sold. For example, I had an uncle who um, basically ran an auction in atlanta a car auction in mm-hmm. atlanta yeah. does he talk uh, my, very fast he can <laughs> he can he can my sister who is a lawyer started her own law firm in the uk um so it was always around me and having a chance to see uh them do their thing when i was young and when i was um, living in different places always just created that bug for me so it's nothing specific as an adult. It's just something I grew up around. Yeah. Attention, passenger John Matson, please report to baggage claim. So, Chibi, I really want to hear this story about you getting caught in the rain. <laughs> can we can we bring this full circle? <laughs> I was going to ask about that. Yeah, it's it's the most random story. So, when I um, was a management consultant and traveled to different places for work, I, I traveled some really cool places. But at some point, I was stuck on the Walmart project, which means I was going to Bentonville, Arkansas. For uh, the belly of the beast, right? <laughs> I, I've heard it's beautiful. Right? Made in America. It's, a, it's just gorgeous. <laughs> and um, the standard process was you would 
fly in, you would rent a car, and you would drive to the office. And one day, I flew in, I rented a car, and while I was driving, a serious storm started. Well, I didn't know it was going to rain. I didn't check. I, I didn't know anything. So, and I had, it was one of those classic consultants will tell you this. You fly in, you get there at 930, you generally have like a 10 or 1030 a.m. meeting on Mondays. Mm-hmm. But where we parked, and I don't know if this is a Bentonville thing, where you park your car is a good hundred yards from the office. Mm-hmm. So I literally drove to the Walmart parking lot and I sat in my car. It was pouring so hard. And I think I was the person on the last flight that day. So all my colleagues were in there sitting at the meeting (laughs) and I was stuck in the car for a good two hours. So it's not like I was actually rained on. It's just that (laughs) it was raining. And because I didn't know, I literally missed an important meeting. I just sat in a car in Bentonville for two hours. And you thought that that was a better move than going wet to a meeting? Oh, I could. If you see the storm, there was no okay. Oh, there was I no chance. Yeah, no. Going to this meeting like French, I would, <laughs> they, yeah. and it was with senior people. Yeah, Walmart, yeah. They, right? they have tornadoes in Arkansas. Mm. Definitely, yeah, I wouldn't want to mess you, with you, that. You, yeah, it wasn't one of those like I'll be kind of wet, but I'll be fine. It's one of those. I heard Walmart actually sells umbrellas. <laughs> so if, I wonder if, if like Postmates could get out like, of the parking lot, like, picked up an umbrella for you, and just, like a bike, like, just bike yeah. down over. If you can get car. out of the parking lot, no, it's, it's, it's it's a good point. But this was 2010. I'm not even sure. Postmates, definitely no, no probably Postmates not. In no, definitely not. No. I, I was really picturing like some romantic drama. Oh no, like you standing out in the rain. No, no. All right. it was just stuck in a car. We're gonna write you a good story, Chibi. <laughs> Rain, uh, this rain situation. Yeah, uh, for, sure. for sure. Your ex-lover's name. Well, no. Was Sam, Sam Walton came by and, and like gave you an umbrella and walked you as if he were your golf caddy back to his office. And then okay. fired the whole consultant firm. Yeah, that, that's right. Chibi, this has been a fantastic interview. Uh, thank you for coming aboard. And uh, what is the best way that folks can either follow you or the work that you're doing at Amadri? Our thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Pavan. Our work um, is available on emadri.com. Uh, the easiest way to contact us is info at emadri.com, hello at emadri.com, or chubi at emadri.com. And chubi is C H U B I at emadri, E M A D R I.com. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Perfect. Thank well, you that's so it. much, guys. Yeah, you got it, man. Thanks, well, th- that's, that's it for this episode of Travel Is Your Business. And, uh, of course, thank you, uh, Chubi Wabara, for uh, coming out here. He is the CEO of Amadri. Uh, go check them out. And for Mr. Peter Krasdow. Thanks for listening, everybody. You got it, man. And, uh, <laughs> and for John Madsen. Bon voyage. Uh, I'm Pub and Ball. We hope you enjoyed your stay with us. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.